0: Hey everybody! Hey all you survivalists! This is the Crux, and I'm your host Casey McIntosh. And today I'm joined with David Cronenwett, and he is a survival expert. And he's going to tell us some information about keeping safe in the wild, and um, some other really helpful tips. How are you today, David? Yeah.
1: I'm good, Casey. How are you?
0: Good. So, um, I just want to get back to what uh, we were talking about before about mm-hmm. who you are and and how did you end up being interested in survivalism and bushcraft?
1: Sure. Um, I had a at a very early age um, had an interest in in the landscape, like a lot of people, you know, exposed to nature at an early age. Um, I grew up on the East Coast um, and moved out West when I was was 19. um, And I've been living in Montana continuously since 1997. And that initial like impulse to just have an interactive, like intimate relationship with with landscapes, wild landscapes, Mm -hmm. which has just been a very, very powerful draw for me for my whole life. Um, It's almost like a, a, you know, is what it's like a mystical quality to it you know, you're really drawn to those wild places and wanting you know and and by doing so you know there's a certain um amount of risk that can go with that sure. um, but also high reward sure. high reward as well so um i always found um like a lot of, of of young boys a lot of interest in sort of native cultures and how native peoples interacted with the landscape and um and their, of survival knowledge and ethnobotany um, and all that stuff and i really um began to get into it in a serious way in the mid to late 90s um i was a student and apprentice at boulder outdoor survival school in utah around that time and i i trained with uh master woodsman Norris kachansky up in alberta canada on a few occasions um and then um kind of in the early 2000s uh started to you know put a little business together started teaching classes here and there um a lot of sort of straight up short-term uh wilderness survival for outdoors people hunters anglers backpackers you know whatever Mm -hmm. and um but my you know that that stuff is great and and important to learn and know but my real uh, love is Sort of the bushcraft stuff, you know, the wilderness living skills, where you're making things with natural materials, learning about the uses of plants, um, subsistence stuff, um, those kinds of things. That's that's what really interests me, and and getting people out on the landscape, um, you know, for multiple days or in winter time, things they wouldn't normally do for themselves by themselves. Um, that, that those courses are really rewarding. So I've taught for. University of Montana system um, workshops for search and rescue outfits, um, Fish Wildlife and Parks, um, Carroll College, lots lots of different um, organizations and and institutions over the years and uh, in state, out of state. And I, as I was saying earlier, i around 2013 ish, 2014. Um, some life changes and kind of kind of set it down for a while. Um, but um, in this past uh, year or so, um, been thinking about getting that stuff rolling again and needing to take uh, or, or do a little bit different work than the constant uh, uh, teaching of jujitsu at my academy <laughs> here in Helena. So uh, yeah, I miss the landscape and really want to get back out there working with people you know with these uh, skills and
2: concepts
0: that's really cool i have to say that i think there's a huge freedom in knowing that if something happens you have skills and knowledge about what to do you know it's Mm -hmm. just like very freeing to know that i can rely on my skill set and i'm going to be okay
1: right yeah it's certainly you know like we were talking about earlier. Um, before we sort of get into the nuts and bolts of, of thinking about, you know, wilderness survival and and bushcraft and what that all means is like, why are people drawn to this? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm very curious about what motivates people to do things. And it's in my jujitsu work. um, how I think about people in the world and and definitely with sort of, um, you know, nature human interactions. And it's like, you know, there's survival stories um people have been through horrific ordeals and and made it um, has captivated people you know probably from the beginning of people right Mm -hmm. but it's really um in recent years especially um it's kind of a part of the business that i really um don't like anymore (laughs) it's very very commercialized and sensationalized and a lot of my um witchcraft instructor friends um, uh would would agree with this you know um shows the media the the youtube channels where you've got people like clearly in brand new gear Mm -hmm. so you know barely taking it out of the box like uh, you know showing showing stuff and everyone's an expert and and um why is that still such a draw for people why can't people see like the garbage for what it is and there's there's some good things out there for sure but my thinking on this is um, one there's a, you know some people have a genuine interest and maybe they're a backpacker or spend a lot of time outside and sure they just want to know straight up how to get through <clears throat> you know a short-term survival situation mm-hmm. out in the wilderness you get that kind of person um, you also get some folks who like have big egos and they want to prove something to themselves or to the world that they can, you know, survive nature. And um, I've seen just scads of people like this in my courses over the years. Um, And I don't think it's a coincidence that they tend not to do very well with the physical skills (laughs) because it takes a certain amount of finesse and humility to do that stuff and you know maybe i'm not the best you know x user in the world or maybe i I do have something to learn here um maybe there's a different way to do you know to use this fire lighting method than what i've used in the past and and you know sort of the the i don't know generalizing here the military survivalist type
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um more of an egotistical like fear-based type of survival you know that's out there it's in the culture we know what it is and that's just not a healthy, um, way to approach any of this, frank- frankly, frankly,
0: no.
1: um, and the, the sort of the, a piece of all of this attraction to survival, um, is I think one that's sort of longing to be close to nature and, um, the fact that our, our culture or civilization right now, you know, you could say it's like in a late decadent, stage everything is incredibly easy way too easy you know we are not in touch with the forces the evolutionary adaptive forces um, that uh, you know forced us to adapt that have made us what we are and I think that human beings have a really strong impulse to get back in touch with some of that whether or not people can verbalize that or have thought about that, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we long, we long for maybe not, you know, the horrific experiences of like true starvation or, you know, warfare, (laughs) tribal warfare, or, you know, those sorts of things. But the beauty of survival training, if you do it well and bushcraft training is that a little goes a long way, you know, it's like you can learn a lot from, you know, ethically killing an animal and eating it like Mm -hmm. you want to understand about how humans are an opportunistic predator and our connection to the wild landscapes go kill something and eat it you know and maybe make something out of its hide that's going to teach you a tremendous amount about yourself about you know human beings about the landscape about the animal so um you don't have to like continuously you know live out a subsistence lifestyle in the Alaskan bush to get some of the benefits of, of this kind of training.
2: Yeah, so. sure.
0: That makes sense. It's almost like there's, um, this like dichotomy between, um, you know, things are easier for humans in some ways now in terms mm-hmm. of, yes, we get mm-hmm. food easily and we have shelter and whatnot, mm-hmm. but then there's all of this psychological stuff that isn't necessarily easier and kind of the way that mm-hmm. we live our lives now, Makes some of those psychological things actually more difficult, and maybe that's what the draw to the outdoors is—is like finding that. I don't know. We're we're so like detached from from nature. You know what I mean?
1: Well, sure, and other people, right? And and it's like the beautiful thing, you know, to me is like getting people out on the landscape. Like some of my most memorable, meaningful moments uh, living in Montana, (laughs) or is like, you know, being outside with, with, you know, people we care about. And yeah. even or people we just people we just met, you mm-hmm. know? It's like this is awesome. Like this is what we spent most of our evolutionary history, ninety eight percent making up a number, but an awful lot of our evolutionary history was spent around campfires, was spent around food and eating and preparing and like passing on knowledge and hearing stories and bullshitting with people,
2: <laughs> you
1: know. Yeah. I mean um, and that's just so important. And um, so anyway, I think, I think this sort of training and skills and ways of seeing the world has, really has a valuable place. Um, and can help us reconnect to, to these sort of uh, ancestral urges, if you will, or needs.
0: Yeah. Um, could you tell me what kind of mindset you need to have when you're going into the outdoors and how you can plan for the unexpected?
1: Well, let's start with the definition of what of what survival is, because that's important to think about. What is a survival situation? Um, And I'll just go ahead and answer the question, (laughs) which is it's it's a a question uh, or a situation rather that could kill you if you don't take action to change it. Right. So, survival to me, by by definition, is a situation that could lead to your death um, if you don't do something to to change the situation so that's that's a pretty easy metric to understand all of this with and that means that you know spending a night by the fire yeah you might have shivered you might be scared you might be a little cold but is that a survival situation well it, it could advance into one but you knew enough uh skills and maybe planned and prepared enough to you know what it it, it sucks that i'm out here but this is not a true survival situation sure so i'm not i'm not you know, clawing on the edge of a cliff, you know, trying to to save myself. This is uh, something that's manageable, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So sort of with that in mind, you need to ask yourself, what sort of of recreationist are you? And what are your physical limitations?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, are you um, a person that mostly rides an ATV? Are you a person that does multi day backpacking trips are you um, are you a snowmobiler? That's a very unique kind of recreation like something goes wrong with that thing twenty miles out
2: at eight yeah, thousand feet
1: way. in the middle of winter that's 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 a very specific user group that has specific needs
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, to think about for survival you know are you a an angler um, are you a backcountry country hunter are you more of a front country hunter uh, so you need to ask yourself, um, how you recreate. Where where are you going? What mm-hmm. sort of environment are you going into? How how remote is it? Um, and the physical limitations part that's that's really important. To be honest with yourself,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like are you over are you overweight? Like how's your cardiovascular cardiovascular health? Is that hip repla- hip replacement or knee replacement going to bother you on day ten in the Bob Marshall? You know, um, so. So being honest and, and realistic with yourself about those things, that's where we start.
0: Just being um, mindful of the fact that there are variations in how much yeah. how much preparing you need to do and how you need to prepare for a specific activity.
1: Absolutely. Are you going alone? Or are you going with others? What is, if you're going with others, how experienced and prepared are those folks? Do they have backup gear? Um, so, okay. So that's that's sort of the setup. Um, the other thing to think about is a little bit about psychology. <clears throat> and I know there's been, there's books out there, I'm, I'm sort of out of the, the survival-like literature loop a bit, um, but some of these qualities uh, that you see consistently in people who, you know, survive, quote-unquote, difficult situations. Um, and these apply to people who, are survived illnesses, you know, cancer, mm-hmm. survive wilderness survival episodes, who make it through just really difficult things.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, re- res- resiliency and adaptation, like that's you've got to to cultivate those things um, in your life, and you can do that through exposure, by by training, by thinking and reading, by you know mindfulness meditation. Um, there's lots of ways to to be psychologically resilient and to be adaptive. Um, and, you know, those are some of the things that have allowed just our species to, to get where it is. Um, I would also say, you know, sort of the basic like positive mental attitude, trying to focus on the good things. You know, maybe I'm hungry, uh, I'm lost, but I've got, you know, friends and family at home waiting for me. They're going to be so happy when I get back. I've got a fire going. That's something, you know, um, uh, that's very, very important. Like melancholic personalities. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of us <laughs> that are, that lean that way. That's something that, that can work against you in a really difficult situation. Um, and I've seen the same kind of thing like in jujitsu, you know, there's a, a, a definite, um, sort of take away from that, like difficult situations, you need to learn to be comfortable with them and uh, to gradually work with or work your way out of them. So um, that's a little bit about, about psychology.
0: If you were in a survival situation, obviously you have more skills than most people have in, in this realm. Um, But like, what, what would be the, the way that you would be thinking you just basically on the lines along the lines of what you were saying, just focusing on one thing at a time, focusing on mm-hmm. the things that you know you need to pay attention to, or the things that you mm-hmm. have um, on the plus side instead of on the minus side. Is that kind of where your brain would go if you ended up in the middle of nowhere all of a sudden with minimal supply? Right. Ads? Well,
1: I mean, your your awareness should be uh, primary, right? Like that. That should be a thing. You know, people ask me, for example, like. Like I, I have friends from out of state or don't live in grizzly country. It's like, what do you do if you're, you know, backpacking in bear country? Like, do you carry a gun? Do you carry, you know, just tell them like mostly, um, I'm just hyper aware of what's going on around me. Mm-hmm. You know, Am I seeing sign? Am I smelling stuff uh, like a carcass? Am I, am I, am I alert? That's, that, and that's, that goes back to that, like our, our deadened senses by mm-hmm. the devices and the internet and sure. <laughs> social media. So the, your awareness is absolutely key, right? Because what tends to happen, um, I'm thinking back into the sort of survival statistics that looked at with the Park Service and search and rescue operation, you know, uh, uh, organizations um, in Canada and the U.S. and stuff. And typically, what happens is it's a it's not often one single thing that leads to a quote-unquote survival situation. Mm-hmm. It's a snowball effect, yeah. right? So you you get a little turned around, okay? Then you start to panic. Sure. Okay. Then instead of you know then it's getting dark, and so instead of you know doing the sensible thing of like you know what I'm just gonna you know get a good good spruce here tonight and and make a fire underneath it and just figure things out tomorrow. No, you keep um, you keep down the trail, or, yeah. or maybe you're off a trail, you're lost. Then you have an injury. You you. You break your ankle Mm -hmm. okay you you can these things this is not uncommon these sorts of things happen all the time
2: sure
1: and if you have good awareness you can be like you know what i'm I'm gonna make a different call here i'm gonna swallow my pride and um people are gonna worry about me but i'm gonna gonna spend the night and kind of figure things out in the morning Um, that's just one example typically i should add that a very high number of people who have search and rescue called on them are day, day users. So day hikers, day hunters, day fishers, like whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's, why is that? Well, it's a pretty simple answer in a lot of ways. Well, I guess there's a two part. There's a lot more probably day users of like public lands than others, mm-hmm. but also they're, they're thinking, well, I'm only going out for the, for the day.
0: day. Yeah.
1: So there are already, they're set back by probably being unprepared. We're under, you know. You can see that they're already sort of uh, at a at a loss.
2: <laughs> sure. Um,
0: well, I would definitely say that since my sister and I started um, this podcast, I've been a lot more mindful about going out for that little walk, you know, and bringing food, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though it seems a little bit. Oh, I'm gonna go for a mile, but you just never know. And so, right?
1: No. Well, it's like be prepared—the old Boy Scout thing, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. That that kind of says it all. Being prepared to me means being alert, like bringing the gear you need, and um, also, of course, (laughs) my my jujitsu brain talking is that you've got to practice this stuff. You know, too many people have all the gear. It's so easy to click and buy the gear and try something once, and I'm good. You know, I got my survival kit, like I'm good to go. Well. How often do you handle a knife under like a stressful situation with like numb hands? Yeah. Try that sometimes, <laughs> get back to me. You know, an injury to the hand is extremely demoralizing, and you know that could be the end of it. Um, if you can't use your hands properly, um, depending on the situation, you could be you could have real problems.
2: So oh, that's just one yeah.
1: example. Like, yeah. you simply you know you need to make this stuff part of your recreation. So like when you go car camping. Hey, let's uh, let's split some firewood with our with our our knives. Let's let's carve a spoon, you know, just to get that the being comfortable um, with those skill sets. You know, I at one of my uh, winter classes um, I did, was doing a two day workshop, and on the second day, I gave people you know a chunk of like cottonwood or cedar Aspen or something, and I said, okay, we're gonna carve a spoon. And people look at me like what on earth does this have to do <laughs> with survival i said it has it has everything to do with it
2: yeah you are
1: learning some very fine skills you know fine motor skills that you may need to light a fire to prepare um food to build a shelter to, for basic stuff like repairing gear um just you know an infinite number of things and the more you do that skill use that tool, whatever the tool is, um, matches, you know, axe, knife, saw, like whatever it is, your tarp, like you need to do that regularly. You know, if you spend time on on the landscape, um, you need to, to me, take this stuff seriously and practice, Mm -hmm. you know, so. um,
0: Well, in terms of the psychology, you know, back to what we were saying before, I think that having the ability to do those things with your hands, takes some of that mm-hmm. panic out of the situation. Like if you have a knife and you have a couple tools in your pack and you can start building a shelter, the act of building right. that shelter is going to put your mind on something that's more productive than thinking, Absolutely. how am I going to find yeah. my way back?
1: That's right. Yeah. We get inside our own heads and we become our own worst enemies and, and doing something physical, competent, competently, <laughs> ideally, is is really good. It's like, you know what? I've done this before. Like, it's not a big deal. Um and uh conditions might be different from what I've experienced, um, you know, but if you're if you're dedicated to your practice, you know, you'll you'll try to practice these things in different terrains and different weather conditions, um, that sort of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: the priorities of, you know, physical survival, wilderness survival um are are pretty simple um, you want to keep your body at 98.6 degrees roughly um hypothermia we know is a, is a insidious and um, pretty regular killer of people um which is the lowering of the core body temperature and that we, we could go in you know, to that quite a bit it's also conceivable anymore in parts of Montana for example, that hyperthermia, so heat exhaustion, heat stroke.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, we can think of a number of landscapes in eastern Montana, especially that um get extremely hot. So maintaining the core body temperature is really key. So if you're carrying a survival kit, you know that priority especially should be should be um addressed with your kit. Hydration obviously should be you know urinating clear urine regularly. Um, By the time you you feel thirsty, you know you're already pretty dehydrated. Typically, Mm -hmm. Um, the next one is is one that a lot of people simply don't think of. Uh, When I ask students, "What are the survival priorities?" and everyone, a lot of people will say food first, and you know this, that, and the other thing. But but sleep is is really high up there.
0: That makes sense. I can see that.
1: Yes. If you've ever like you're you're a parent of a young child, right? You mm-hmm. you probably missed a few <laughs> a few Z's here and there. Um, now imagine imagine that feeling out in the woods, you know, alone or injured or whatever.
0: Exposed, like yeah,
1: right. Like, do you really think you're going to be, you know, it's going to reduce your chances of survival, right? Because yeah. it's going to affect your mind. You're going to panic. You're going to make rash decisions. So sleep deprivation is, is actually um, a big, that can lead to, you know, a, um, a really bad situation for people.
2: That totally so makes sense. Even, e-
1: even cat napping by the fire, or like my teacher Morris used to say, you know, if it's like, especially if it's really cold, well, like, stay up all night with the fire, feed the fire all night and sleep during the day.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. so, you know it's a little bit uh, a little bit warmer out so anyway there's different strategies for that but but sleep is really important um and the last sort of survival priority is like are you going to find yourself that meaning are you going to walk out or are you going to be rescued that's it you got two choices and if you left word with somebody a responsible person you know roughly where you're going to be um, the dogs will probably find you. I've, I've tried to outsmart search and rescue dogs before. It's it's extremely difficult, um, and I'm not saying that. Um, obviously, people die out there who are later found by search and rescue teams. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, you know our search and rescue apparatus in North America is is really good, um, especially in sort of the lower 48, where yeah we have some re- remote areas, but we're not talking like Alaska or Northwest Territories remote. And, you know, most people, I would say, are probably, you know, rescued within that 72-hour window. So, kind of statistically speaking. So that means that, you know, food, for example, is definitely not that important. That's not to say that bringing a couple of power bars or whatever, like if you want to bring a piece of gear or food, go for it. But we know that the human body can live a healthy adult for, you know, three to four weeks on just, just water, just, just fasting on, on a water fast. So, um, I know that it's difficult for p- people to accept, but it's been done many times.
0: Sure. So are you a hunker down awake kind of guy or are you a walk out and save yourself kind of guy? <laughs> it would
1: depend, you know, <laughs>
0: i I've,
2: I've,
1: I've been in, you know, some marginally, definitely uncomfortable situations before, but nothing like a a true survival situation Mm you know Uh, one or two things that could have got weird um but it, it just depends it's like sometimes in the morning it's like duh you know there's the car or there's the trail yeah um there's you know oh obviously there's that mountain that i know in the distance like you know so that happens a lot people find themselves all the time but if you are truly like if there's an injury involved Um, Or, like, maybe you're fine, but your partner, significant other, child, like, is really hurting. It depends on the situation. Yeah. Um, Part of the problem we're in now is that our cell uh, phones and satellite devices are so prevalent. Um, I mean, there's a, you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? But some of these devices force people to... Um, like climb mountains instead of going downhill, for example, to try oh. to get a signal. Oh,
0: okay. Um,
1: and that can lead to more. I know there have been stories of people who ascended mountains into into snowpack
0: to get a trying signal? to get a
1: signal. And, yep, and died of hypothermia. I know for a fact that's happened. Um, I want to say maybe 2006. I could look it up. Or in the Missoula area.
0: Okay.
1: Mountains west of Missoula, there was a a a, a mother son who perished it was really tragic but anyway there's stories out there yeah people relying you know and that's all they had with them it's like no no other gear Mm -hmm. because we think oh it's our lifeline i'll I'll just call for help well it may be too late um the other thing is what if you call for help and it's like oh you know you find your car now you've got this whole search and rescue team you know (laughs) pulled out of their beds at three in the morning um you know, you're putting first responders at risk, too, right? unless it's a real emergency. Um, you don't want to hit that button you know, or make that call. So um, people, again, are, are very soft anymore and being is just being turned around. Is that a survival situation? Is that worth calling? You know, the choppers out, the dogs. The, you know. Yeah. It's uh, These guys hate that stuff.
0: I'm sure. You know. But you got to That's a real. Yeah respond regardless, just in case.
1: Right.
2: Right. Um,
0: Mm -hmm. It was interesting because I just read something online this morning about how some person posted on their Facebook page about, you know, if you're lost, put a message for your voicemail that I'm lost and this is where I am. And Mm -hmm. um, the problem with that is that if you're lost where there's not a cell phone signal, you actually can't record the message or the message won't actually be associated with your voicemail. And also, if you have right. cell phone service, then you should be calling for help.
1: The sheriff's department. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I thought right. that was interesting. Right.
1: You know, you just you have to have redundant – Like I mean, you know, I carry a cell phone. We all do. It's mostly for photographs. I don't want service in the back country. I mean, I'm very honest about that. Um, if I had to use it, would I? Of course, I would. Yeah. Um, but you you mustn't rely on something that has a battery and a you know a chip in it like sure those things are going to fail you it's a false sense of security
0: sure so when so you were even
1: if you carry a Sorry, spot device like a satellite a, even if you carry a spot device or something it's like really you should it's a very last resort you know kind of life and death um sort of device that you should think about using like mm-hmm. you should have systems in place you know you're gone for you know it's a 10 day trip and you're not back and that person who you left with the information, like, they're going to call. Yeah. Um, that's a reliable system. And you left the route, you're going to go with, you know, the whole bit. So you've got to try to have redundancy. Now, you shouldn't necessarily – I try not to create unnecessary fear in people. Like, if you're going for a day hike, of course, that's going to be a different um, level of preparedness, right? Sure. It's a well-known area, lots of people and dogs and, you know, it's just outside of town. Obviously, because could something happen? Yeah, but what's the probability? Do you have your little survival kit and your day pack? Great, you're good to go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, um, but that's very different from a more remote trip. So,
0: in some ways, yeah, but sometimes I think with those shorter trips, people take for granted that something could happen, for and sure. then they end up in those for situations sure. where it's like, well, if you had a map and, yes. you know, you had told someone, right. "Hey, I'm going to this trail at this time." That, mm-hmm. that 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 kind of goes a long way too
1: For sure. No, and I I go back to that, yeah, the day hiker thing. That's a, that's a phenomenon, that's a, that's a psychological state of mind. Um, but it's just like at the same time, you don't want to make people so anxious that oh man, sure. e- every time I step out of the car like <laughs> it's going to, oh, you know, yeah. become a survival situation. It's like, no, that's not just be sensible. It's you know? kind of like that um
0: uh, you were talking about the snowball effect. I was just thinking about how sometimes you just have no idea That, you know, something is going to happen um, that you are not prepared for. For example, just last week, my husband and I left at different times and I took the kids to school and he drove to work and he locked the door and I didn't have my key. So all of a sudden I get to the house and I'm like, oh, I don't have the key to get in the house and there's no other way, you know. So those kind of things where you're like, or one time, actually, my toddler locked us out of the house. And the only thing that I had was a key to my car and I didn't have my cell phone. And this is like, we are in civilization here. You know what I mean? I've done stuff like that.
1: No, (laughs) we've all been there.
0: Yeah. Where it's like, well, this is really not life threatening because if I had to, I could walk down to the road and, you know, I can figure this out. But just inconvenient. It just kind of goes to show you that even the smallest things that are overlooked Mm -hmm. could become Mm -hmm. fatal if, I mean, I know that seems dramatic,
1: but. No, no, I, no, I get what you're saying. It's like, there can be situations of like really young children, (laughs) um, especially like that can become really scary really quickly, you know? Um, And uh, no, I totally get it. So it's like, this is good. This is like a way the sort of, the bushcraft sort of way of, you know, <laughs> uh, looking at, at the world of just like, you know, being prepared, thinking things totally. through where you can also being adaptive, being able to improvise. And, uh, it's, uh, it's part of that self-reliant, like we're human beings are, <laughs> we're, we're like amazing creatures, you know, on a, on a good day, we're amazing creatures and we can do amazing things. And, um, I think we just need to get back in touch with some of those parts of our, ourselves that sure. uh, you know can do these things
2: so
0: yeah self reliance is absolutely huge um when you were mm-hmm. talking about the cell phones before were you going to indicate mm-hmm. that it's better to go down than to go up to get a signal like go downhill to get a signal or well just... I just
1: one of the uh, you know a general is not an absolute but generally speaking if you're lost in the mountains in Montana um, some people might argue with me about this but you know, go, go down, find the creek bottom, walk out, right. You're going to hit a road eventually. Yeah. I mean, are there cases where that wouldn't, you know, you know, yeah, you could, you could potentially go deeper into the, you know, the back country that way and stuff, but eventually you, you, you will likely hit a trail or a road or something. Yeah. Uh, whereas going up, well, we know where that goes, Cold. Um, especially if it's a more volatile time of year, like a shoulder season. Um, you know, you are going sort of where, angel's fear to tread so to speak so um but every situation is different and that's why if you're training if you're you're doing some of the stuff with a mindset of like what would i do how would i adapt with if this happened not in a like paranoid way but just like a
2: thinking about
1: efficiency way
2: yeah
0: um what are the top three things that you would want to have with you if you were in a situation where you well a survival situation i guess
1: Sure. Um, I actually pre- prepared for this question. And uh, it's more than three things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I typically, um, I do sort of my one day sort of build a survival workshop kind of thing. Uh, we go through a bunch of skills in the you know first part of the day and tools and fire and clothing. We didn't even talk about clothing. It's a
2: hugely oh, yeah. important
1: piece. It's, it, it's your most important piece of gear. I should say that. So before I talk about survival kits, you've got to be dressed for the worst weather you can expect. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, um, you know, natural fibers are vastly superior to synthetics. I'm a huge advocate of wool in all its forms. Um, You can get high performance clothing, merino clothing now that is, I mean, 15, 20 years ago, it was very hard to find,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: but now it's, it's everywhere. Um, there's tons of brands. So, you know, if you don't believe me, you know, try it yourself. Like go out and uh, try gear that is synthetic and try, try the merino wool and its variants um, and then heavier wool for uh, sort of um, thicker insulation layers. Um Anyway, that's, that's another discussion, but, but definitely be, be prepared. Carry extra clothing if, if you know, you expect it to turn nasty. Absolutely have a a rain slash wind layer, basically just a parka of some kind. Mm-hmm. Rain jacket, you know, that's ideally a little longer than the real short ones people wear. That's like a, that's a mandatory day hike. That, that's got to be with you. I don't care if it's like 98 degrees outside. Yeah, in a bluebird day with, you know, no rain in the forecast, like if you go to the mountains, you know, water, lunch, uh, a few other survival things. And then that rain jacket, you got to have it. So um, if you're going to think about sort of things to carry with you, um, again, you've got to ask yourself, what kind of recreationist are you, your physical condition, your limitations, all that. Um because a someone who's a snowmobiler up in the high country in the middle of winter is gonna have different needs than a, a day hiker who only goes out in the summertime. Survival kit um could include your tools. So, you know, knife, axe, and saw, and those depend on where you're going, what time of year you're going, et cetera, et cetera. I typically carry two cutting tools. Okay. Um and you can get high-quality Scandinavian uh, knives anymore. At, I mean, I, they have them here at like the hardware store for like ten bucks. I mean, with a plastic handle, high-quality steel, very easy to sharpen, and um, carry too. You know, or think about—you um, you can carry like a multi-tool and a, a good knife mm-hmm. uh, with six blades. There's different ways to think about it. I don't carry an axe unless I am. You know, definitely like colder weather, then especially in like true winter conditions, I I don't like to do a multi-day trip without an axe. So mm-hmm. it just depends what you're doing. Yeah. With fire, fire, um, and this goes with the tools. Obviously, we mentioned how uh, practice is important. Regular practice, not that class you took eight years ago, but you know, go out there and test yourself. Like you're going car camping practice your fire skills and your tool skills. So Mm -hmm. with fire, I recommend, you know, two to three different methods. Doesn't really, it's not so important what they are necessarily, uh, but are they reliable? And can you do, you know, two or three different ways to to build it up? Um, And that could include also carrying carrying some kindling with you, whether it's like pitch wood or cotton balls that are coated in Vaseline, like whatever it is, Mm -hmm. Matches, a lighter, a road flare. Uh, <laughs> um, there's tons of different means now, the ferro rod, um, many different means, but carry them, know how to use them, and you might want to think about carrying them like some in the kit and then some in your pocket. Now, what if you lose the kit? What if you get separated from your backpack? What if the canoe goes downstream and it takes your gear with you? Do you have the matches on your person? That's an and interesting. The
0: knife? things to think about things to
1: think about Mm -hmm. yeah like can you like water travel that's a whole different scenario people on rivers should have um even in montana and our rivers are not that wild um, as far as remoteness uh, but you know if it's the right time of day right time of year you dump the gear goes downstream you're alone and you don't have a way of making fire and you're soaking wet. Okay. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're now in a really <laughs> bad situation. Right. So, um, okay. So we'll move on. Uh, 550 parachute cord, the uh, military grade stuff with mm-hmm. the seven inner strands that are surrounded by an outer sheath, uh, really good gear. It's, you know, everyone uses it. It's cheap to get anymore. You can buy, you know, Small hanks of it or 1,000-yard spools, um, highly recommend that stuff. And, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 yards of that, it just depends how much you want to carry. Um, but, just, you know, and again, knowing some knots uh, that are useful for living in the woods are, is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can carry the stuff. If you don't know how to use it, it's useless.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the next thing is a, some kind of metal pot or cup and even if it's just like a stainless steel a large you know single walled cup that you can boil water in like just to have a hot beverage
2: mm-hmm.
1: in a miserable miserable situation even if it's like a survival training or just a cold day out you know and you're able to make get a fire going and have some some pine needle tea or spruce needle tea that just makes you feel human again yeah i've done done trips and classes and stuff where we didn't even have that and it believe me it completely sucks it's totally demoralizing so being able to you know boil water um to cook to purify water it's just really important uh, psychologically as well as for keeping your hydration
0: and also it might help warm you up you know just drinking something hot for sure when it's cold yeah outside.
1: absolutely First aid, uh very important. Mostly I recommend people, you know, if you want to take a class, like a a woofer, a wilderness first responder, like all that stuff is great and useful. And there's different degrees of it. Um, but I think if you have a basic understanding of first aid, mostly we're dealing with, with cuts and infection mm-hmm. and beyond beyond that is like, you know, keeping, you know, C P R and and that kind of thing that that's that's pretty simple stuff but your your first aid kit should reflect those kinds of things so i my like first aid kit you know i've got a bunch of you know sort of pain relief ibuprofen Tylenol a ton of band-aids you know some duct tape which has a million uses Um, just various you know sort of blood stopping and wound management
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know antibacterial stuff um, those kinds of things that's really useful Benadryl um, and also like Benadryl. Sure. And like, do you have any, um, personal need for prescription medication? Like, do you have asthma? Do you have, do you take a, uh, whatever people take, you know, yeah. do you have backup in your, in your survival kit? Um, in case there's something you you really need.
0: Yeah. Like your insulin if you're a diabetic.
1: Yeah. Right. Or <laughs> how about a EpiPen? Yeah. EpiPen could be useful. <laughs>
0: yes, for sure.
1: Um, signaling that's something to think about um when i sometimes i carry a signal mirror um i can improvise a whistle if necessary um you know i think it's still a useful skill it's something um that a lot of people don't carry but a a little glass signal mirror on Uh a sunny day uh, could do you know it's just amazing how far that can be spotted um so it's just another thing to think about you know you can Make a whistle on your own out of you know a piece of aluminum. You can buy a survival whistle that could be helpful to get search and rescue right into your position if sure. necessary, or a signal a friend. Shelter is um, potentially really important, um, depending on the situation and the weather and such. And you know, bringing a good tarp and knowing how to pitch it in varying conditions is really important. Um, you know, using it with a fire, without a fire, um, as an improvised bivy, um, for gathering materials and hauling it back to camp, it's a, m- a million uses. Wow. And sort of the military-grade um, rain ponchos that have grommets and snaps on them are mm-hmm. super cheap and just have a bazillion uses. Highly recommend them. and They weigh next to nothing. Um, we talked about rain gear or that, you know, that parka rain jacket um very very important um, leather gloves usually important Man, if you start doing this stuff and you get cuts on your hand from either just working with wood or twigs or you cut yourself with your knife like it's just uh it's hellish so <laughs> do yourself a favor and throw a good pair of leather gloves into your kit um you won't regret it um Talked about medication and the food thing always comes up. And I'm fine if, like, you know, you want to throw, again, snacks in your pack that won't perish easily. Mostly that's sort of to keep your blood sugar up and for your psychology. But, you know, if you're, you know, trying to like pack food to stay alive, you know, you don't need to do that. You know, you need to stay hydrated, stay warm, get some sleep, and stay calm. And, we're so fixated on food and I I get it. Like I like to eat as much as the next guy and I get hungry and and this and that. But I have found that after that second day, after fasting the second day is pretty miserable, but Mm -hmm. there's a phase when your body, like, you know, we are evolved to use those fat stores and we are, this is why, um, um, the periodic fasting, um, intermittent fasting kind of works with human beings because you know, we didn't always have food every day. You, may, you might have a one meal day, or you might skip a day,
2: or mm-hmm.
1: it might be a two meal day, you know, whatever. So our, our bodies are set up for that. And um, it's just like, again, if you want to carry a little bit, that's great, but you do not need it to survive um, for a few days. Like, Another don't, thing, don't worry about it.
0: Yeah. The it's, other thing I've thought about in terms of that is just like throwing in a few gels or something. It doesn't take up a lot of space, yeah, I, but it gives you some. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And yeah, it's partly psychological, and Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, sure, partly. You want to keep your blood sugar up? I get it, but um, people do panic about food. Like people, (laughs) I've heard stories like uh, it's unbelievable. Like, yeah, I'm gonna. uh, I knew someone once who got lost in the woods and like happened to have a firearm with them, and it's like. First thing I'm going to start doing is start hunting squirrels. You know, start actually, actually <laughs> shot one, oh my gosh. <laughs> which is amazing. But you know, you can imagine, like you want to be using a firearm in a highly charged, panicky situation, and expending calories that you could be using to do other things and stay warm. And like, you don't want to do that. You know?
0: Do you think this is uh-huh. a, an American thing? It seems like something that would be specifically greater in the united states i don't know why maybe it is
1: i don't know maybe it's probably a human universal so like oh my god i'm dying like i don't have food in front of me i'm gonna die you know? <laughs> um because why is that because we have food in front of us all the time that's true it's very soft that way yeah you know and we just are like even and I, do, I mean everyone like not just overweight people like super fit people like see how calm they are if you don't feed them for 48 hours. <laughs> um, so you know, you could argue that if you're, you know, quote unquote, serious about your survival training and, and taking classes, like do some in the woods, like fasting, try that.
0: Fasting in the woods. Um, you learn a lot about yourself. Fasting. in Well, I mean, goal. like doing, doing a
1: course, doing a course, and as part of that course, you may not bring any food with you. You know, you can, we'll keep, we will keep you hydrated, but You're only gonna eat what you know we can gather or identify. You know (laughs) that is not much in Montana most of the year. I can guarantee you. So you're gonna be uh, fasting. You know. Now, having said all that, sort of longer-term bushcraft wilderness living. Yeah, of course. Like subsistence is like the apex of the art, right? Yeah. You can you know you know acquire food on the landscape over time. Um, That's a huge. adaptive you know benefit so but that takes it's a very high level and i'm talking like with with primitive means you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know obviously during hunting season with a bow or a rifle that that's one thing but try it you know in the middle of winter with snare wire and your knife like it's going to be different oh, yeah. uh, or with primitive fishing gear or or just nothing like you're gonna have to use your knowledge to to figure out how to acquire calories from from plants or animals, and that that is very that is a very challenging task oh, yeah.
0: <clears throat> just thinking about that makes me appreciate the grocery store, even though I don't like going there <laughs> well it's like you
1: can die you can die doing that like if you're you're expending calories trying to take in calories, you know you only have so much energy stored on your body, so that's why that's where the sort of uh getting back to the staying put and waiting for rescue thing. No, I'm going to live off the land. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> how many times have you had to do that before? Like legit under stressful you know, circumstances. You know, this is just like a situation where they're going to come get you more than likely where you can signal for help. Like it's probably not worth it trying to, you know, go after, you know, a big animal or, or whatever. So it's just, again, trying to be realistic. Like forget your survival fantasies and do what it takes to, to make it to, so you can enjoy nature another day, you know, you can get back to your family.
0: When it comes to water, do you, um, do you pour, do you like bring a lot of water in yourself when you're going out into the outdoors or do you bring some kind of sterilizing device? I guess we talked about bringing, you know, some way to boil water. Obviously that's one way Mm -hmm. of obtaining clean water.
1: Yeah. Uh, I am anymore. like, Kind of backpacking I'll, I bring like a, a large like gravity feed it's kind of just look, looks like a gear bag with just a filter in it and it, it just gravity feeds through
2: it's oh super yeah. fast
1: relatively inexpensive um uh I'm kind of fond of, of for a more minimalist approach sure of just the um the filters that um you can screw onto your your water bottle and and suck or squeeze you know the, the technology is so good now with that stuff it's like it's really cool um Unless I'm boiling or drinking straight from a spring. I've had Giardia more times than I care to mention. Oh so, man,
0: that's horrible.
1: Um it's not it's not pleasant, yeah. Um and uh well it doesn't it you know, probably won't kill you. You may want you may wish to be dead. Yeah, well and also if so, you're in the middle yeah. of
0: nowhere, having diarrhea is not gonna save your life, I can tell you that.
1: Right. Right, that's for sure. And you know, typically it takes a few days to set in and you know, if it's between your listener should should know that if it's between not drinking the water versus getting Giardia, get you know drink the water and get Giardia.
0: Take the risk. Like, you know,
1: mm-hmm. take the risk because that dehydration you know gives you headaches and you know you know what happens if you're a medical person with dehydration. So you'll probably have several days before it um, if it's infected before it um, manifests symptoms. So,
0: and by then, search and yeah. rescue will have already picked you up. So Ideally,
1: you're <laughs> <laughs> or you've gotten
2: out. You know, right. Right.
1: So yeah, so you know, I'm presenting a very unsexy view of survival, and like, um, I'm very conscious of doing that. Um, I towards the uh, before I sort of took my break from this stuff. Um, I in 2012, I was a consultant on an episode of a well-known survival show. Um, it was shot. This episode was shot in Montana and it pretty much confirmed all of my worst, um, <laughs> you know, uh, fears about how these shows were made and like laid out and scripted and like, no, they're not really sleeping outside. They're sleeping in the lodge. Um, and, you know, the, it's, it's just really, uh, it wasn't surprising, but it was really discouraging. That's too bad. Um, to see how that stuff is made. And, uh, I mean, the directors were like consulting with me about well, how do we think this story should go? And it's like, it's not what you're seeing on the screen. You're seeing entertainment, you know, and the soundtrack and like, it's ridiculous. So yeah. while it was fun to kind of do that and see that and be a part of how TV is made, that has nothing to do with um, actual living outdoors yeah. <laughs> and, and learning these these uh, the skill set.
0: Well, and I think also it's just kind of interesting because we hear these stories, and then we think, "What would I have done in that situation?" You know, Mm -hmm. and it's so easy to make judgments about what you may or may not have done. But in reality, none of us know what we're gonna do in the situation until we're in it. That's
2: right.
1: And the only thing that can that can kind of mitigate that is the training. Yeah, like it's gonna give you something. You know, it. You know, it may not be perfect. You may do something. You know, way out of line or or given what that situation threw at you but at least it's a basis and again it's a good jujitsu metaphor right you don't know how a, how that person is going to attack you you don't know how a street fight is going to go you can think you do you can think you're going to dominate you can think you're going to survive that you know remote uh, arctic you know <laughs> trip to alaska by yourself in the middle of winter but i, I guarantee the real, reality will be different Sure. And the training, if it's a good training, will at least give you a a reference point, you know?
0: So, what I'm hearing from you, just in terms of what not to do, is number one, don't climb up to the top of the mountain to get cell phone service. (laughs) Um, Number two, think and maybe stay put before you make any decisions about what you're going to do. Um, Is there anything else that's just like blatantly obvious that if we have nothing and very minimal supplies that we should just consider? not doing
1: not doing yeah um I mean try to not try not to make um try to make rational decisions I know Mm -hmm. it's very hard you know I I don't say that lightly like that's that's very hard to do sometimes that in anyone who's lived long enough will tell you right yeah um so try to you know stop and think like there's all these acronyms that people use to kind of um for survival uh type situations but really um but again like the training (laughs) if you're asking me for like an untrained person it's hard for me to take that um to give you like an honest answer like to me it's got to be that person has got to do some training like whatever it is you don't have to take a million courses or like practice your skills so that you have you are facile with them and you're comfortable and it's like, I can do this. You know, I've done it before. I've done it out in the rain in the backyard. Like how different is it? You know, and you um, being able to stay calm to some degree is that's your, your biggest asset. Then you'll make more rational, um, thoughtful decisions.
0: Well, and also in the preparation, I think oh, we didn't really get into this too much, but just knowing the area mm-hmm. where you're going um, having a map of that area and then having a compass, Mm -hmm. because if your phone dies, you don't have any way of knowing what direction, you know, obviously you can follow the sun, but, um, sometimes the simplest things, or like we mentioned before, Hey, you're calling a friend or having some plan in place. Like I'm going on this trip. It's going to be five days. If I don't come back by this point in time, you know, some of those Mm -hmm. things.
1: No, that's great. Like we didn't touch on navigation at all, but that, that should be in your kit. Like, the map and compass Mm -hmm. it's great it's great to have that stuff on your phone and whatever app you've got but again it's going to break your battery's going to die eventually Um, something's going to happen it's going to fall in the river and those skills are time tested i mean you know we know true north magnetic north uh, we know where those are and um, maps typically don't change radically over time um Topography takes a really long time to change the geologic processes, you know.
2: Yeah, sure. So,
1: and that would be something again, uh, like take a class. Like you, know, if you're if you're rusty on your map and compass skills, you know, pre- take an or- orienteering class. It
0: sounds There's like I'm gonna have to start signing, signing up for your classes because talking to you makes me <laughs> well, realize how much I don't know. <laughs>
1: I'm just a, a big believer in, in some hands-on because it goes a long way.
0: So tell me about like the courses that you offer just for, I mean, a lot of our audience is not in Montana, but, um, maybe okay, some people yeah. are willing to travel, but what kind of courses are you sure. planning on offering? <laughs> so basically
1: and... pl- planning on offering is the, is the operative word. Here, that, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get the, uh, the outfit up and running this winter. And, um, Typically, what what I offer are like a one day basic survival class, um, four seasons. So the summer one, you know, is is, is different than the winter one. Um, and then I'll do I can do, you know, between one and four day winter classes that have a, a combination of uh, wilderness survival skills, um, kind of traditional winter camping. Um, canvas wall tents, wood stoves, that sort of thing, and some of the traditional kind of bushcraft stuff, which is more, you know, like it sounds making things with your hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And learning about ethnobotany, the the uses of of, uh, native plants for food, shelter, medicine, et cetera. Um, So, you know, not, not major expeditions out there, but typically, you know, one to four day classes, um, and you know gonna start slow again probably offer a few here and there see how people respond to them Mm -hmm. but uh we live in an extremely beautiful and wild place with lots of great backcountry areas and public lands and uh a great place to to learn about this stuff
0: yeah what kind of age ranges do you teach do you teach like pretty much everyone Within reason, not toddlers, with, I would imagine. Well, within reason, <laughs> within within
1: reason, yeah. I've had I've had folks bring even to the winter classes some some pretty young kids, as long as they're uh, they've got you know guardians with them. Sure. and parents, that's, it's no it's no problem. But probably like because you know I like everyone to like handle the tools and like learn about sharpening and stuff. And you know there's always a risk of a a cut or something. So yeah. you know eight nine eight, eight nine, nine ten, ten yep. kind of in there, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, speaking of kids, I think what's really interesting. I read something, um, an article, excuse me. I read an article that was talking about when you go out hiking with your kids to make sure they have everything they need in their backpacks. When you were mentioning earlier about, well, what if your backpack Mm -hmm. goes in the stream or whatever? Um, that's Mm -hmm. just one other thing that I thought, you know, it made me think twice when I go out with my kids to make sure they have stuff that they need in their backpacks too.
1: Right. And do so you have stuff for them? And you're, you know, it's like the redundancy. And um, yeah, a, a parent with young children is going to have different needs, and you probably will want to carry a little more food because
2: yeah, otherwise you know
1: it may be great that you can fast for for you know 30 days, but you know the kids are not going to be happy, and that's going to make you upset. And so yeah.
0: That's a very good point. I have to bring extra food because my um, middle son complains that he's hungry about every five minutes. <laughs> as he said, as he said. <sighs> so your website is going to be up and running soon, and um, I can include the details of that on our website, sure. and I can also put it yeah. um, on the description for your episode so people can find sure. your website. If if there, is there going to be a mm-hmm. way to book for classes right directly through your website?
1: Um, I hope so. Like I said, you, you're kind of catching me on the fly here, but, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
0: that's that's great. the plan.
1: That's the plan. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, uh,
1: just right now, you know, I, I just uh, am in the process of revamping our Facebook and Instagram, uh, accounts and it's uh, wilderness arts is the name of the outfit on both of those platforms. And I will, uh, post more information as we get closer to a launch date.
0: Cool. Well, David, I am so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your day to to talk to me about all that stuff. It was really interesting.
1: Of course. Yeah, you're very welcome. It was great to think about all this stuff again and to uh, share, um, hopefully, some information that's useful to your listeners.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe you save somebody's life. You never know. if so I just hope that we get the story after the fact so I can Mm -mm. tell it on the podcast we can give kudos to you cool yeah that would be cool (laughs) thanks for tuning in this week for another episode of the crux true survival stories a special thanks to David Cronenwett for the interview please check out his website at wildernessartsmontana.com if you have any ideas about future episodes, comments, etc., email us at thecorrectsurvival@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Have a great week and until next time, stay alive.